0: Good morning, everyone. It's been a real joy to be at the first service this morning, and the remembrance of the Lord was was very, very precious this morning. I really feel uplifted in my own heart. And then the worship team. And just to be here, it's a real privilege. We go home tomorrow. We leave here tomorrow. And uh, I know that we'll have your prayers that we might... Come back again soon. Um, <clears throat> you know, the gospel and the Bible and all that we enjoy. We have a saying at home, a little rhyme that we have at home about the four nations, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And uh, we say, we say that the English love it because uh, they, they love the gospel because they can talk about it. You know, the English are quite good at talking sometimes. Apologies to any English folk that are here. And uh, the Welsh like it because they can sing about it. The Welsh are great singers, wonderful singers, wonderful men's choirs. And the Irish like it. Well, you all know why the Irish like it, because they can fight about it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And the Scots like it. Well, you know why the Scots like it? The Scots like it because it's free. It's free. <laughs> they they kind of they kind of watch their wallets a little bit, you know. So, <laughs> but we like it because we love the Lord, Amen. and it's just wonderful to be here. What particularly encouraged me this morning was the many references in our hymns and in our brethren who shared. Uh, was the references to the cross. And what we owe to the Savior for what he did for us upon the cross. So I want to speak to you uh, for the moments that remain. I want to speak to you about the cross. And I want you to notice in the four verses that we read, the four sections that we read, I want you to notice references to the cross. So the first one is in the Gospel by John and in chapter 19. John's Gospel and in chapter 19. And we're going to read at verse number seventeen, John nineteen, and verse seventeen. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him, and two other with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. You'll notice here that it is his cross. Now, on the same chapter, uh, chapter 19, and down at verse number 23. Then, when the soldiers, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now, the coat was without seam. Woven from the top throughout, they said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Neither stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Behold thy son. Now you'll notice this time it's not so much the emphasis on his cross, but in verse 25, it's there stood by the cross of Jesus. It's the cross of Jesus Now, Galatians, please, again in the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, please, in chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And we're reading just at verse number 14. Galatians 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross, of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now this time it's not the cross of Jesus, it's the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now lastly, in the first book of Corinthians, please, and chapter 1. The first book of Corinthians and chapter 1. And we're reading at verse number 17. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. And you'll notice this time, it's not the cross of Jesus. It's not the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the, verse 17, it's the cross of Christ. So, <clears throat> these are the verses that we want to consider and to see the different emphasis that is in these statements in relation to The cross. Now, when we come to John 19, first of all, where it speaks about the cross of Jesus, now they're stood by the cross of Jesus. It's the only time in the Bible that you have that little expression, the cross of Jesus. It's the only time you will read of that in the whole of the Bible. Now, when you read about the cross of Jesus the emphasis and the focus is on the actual physical wooden cross, the actual instrument on which the Lord Jesus was put to death at Calvary. It's the actual physical cross that's referred to in the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus, the actual wooden cross, it has... Don't misunderstand me. It has no um, spiritual advantage in itself. It's just a wooden cross. It's just the instrument on which he was put to death. That's the emphasis that is directed, our minds are directed to as far as the cross of Jesus is concerned. It was there on that cross that he was put to death. Sometimes the ladies have around their neck the little cross that reminds them of Calvary. And on our fridge at home, a brother here, the last time we were here, he gave us a little wooden disc and on the disc was engraved the cross. And every time I look at that little thing on our fridge door with a magnet, I not only remember San Ramon, but I remember the cross where Jesus was put to death for me. And the cross is precious to us this morning because it was at the cross, at the cross where we first saw the light and the burden of our heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now we are happy all the day. So when you read about the cross of Jesus, it's the actual, physical, wooden cross on which he was put to death and shame on Calvary. What has always interested me in these verses about the cross of Jesus is that there were soldiers at the cross. And there were sisters who were at the cross. How many soldiers were at the cross Apart from the centurion, how many soldiers were at the cross? Well, the Bible gives us a very clear answer. They divided his garments into four parts, two every soldier apart. So there were four soldiers who crucified Jesus at the cross. Why were they there? They were there out of devotion and out of love. The sisters were at the cross because of devotion and out of love. The soldiers were there out of duty that they might nail him there to the tree. So you have four soldiers and you have four sisters. And it has always been an encouragement to me that if, if Satan had four soldiers there, God had four sisters there that might observe him in his dying moments upon the cross. Who were the four sisters that were there? Mary was there. they stood by the cross of Jesus. Mary, his mother. It's interesting that she never spoke to him, but he spoke to her. You know, sometimes we need to, sometimes we put Mary in the background because of what others teach about her. But you know what a mother must have felt. Mary's mother, what she must have felt as she stood by the cross of Jesus to see her son bleeding and dying in agony and distress upon the cross. What Mary must have felt. Mary was there. But you know, folks, we need to remember this morning, in spite of what others teach, Mary was not the mother of God. Mary was the mother of Him that was God. He was motherless in eternity. And He was fatherless in time. We cannot understand it. We cannot take it in with our meager minds. But Mary was at the cross. Mary's mother, Mary, his, Mary, Mary's sister was there. There stood by the cross of Jesus, Mary, his mother, and his mother's sister. That was Salome, the unnamed woman at the cross. And then there was not only those two, there was Mary, the wife of Cleophas. We don't know much about Mary, the wife of Cleophas. But I want to ask a question. Where was Cleophas? When, when his wife was at the cross, where was Cleophas? Perhaps we'll get an answer by and by that it was legitimate. Could I say, could I say when I look When I look for leadership and when I look for knowledge in a church, I look at the men. But when I look for love and when I look for devotion, I look at the sisters. Sometimes the sisters are more spiritual than the men. Behind every good man is a spiritual woman. And Mary, the wife of Cleophas, was at the cross. And Cleophas was nowhere to be seen. And then Mary Magdalene was there. The woman who out of whom he cast seven demons. You know, sometimes I have a wee conversation with Mary Magdalene. And I say, Mary, the greatest day in your life, must have been the day that you get rid of those seven demons. What a day, that, What a big day that must have been. And I think I hear her saying to me, you know, the biggest day in my life was the day I stood at the cross. The day when I saw Jesus dying on that cross for me was the greatest day in my life. What a day that was, brothers and sisters, the day that by faith we stood at the cross of Jesus and saw him bleeding And dying and suffering in our guilty room instead, the cross of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 6, it's the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now when we come to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's not so much the physical cross, the actual wooden cross. It's the person who was on the cross. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? It's the person who was on the cross that is in focus. The person who was on the cross. Who was he? He was the Lord. He was the Lord and eternity past. Isaiah said in eternity past, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He was the Lord when He came here. A Savior is born unto you. That Jesus Christ the Lord. He was the Lord in His death. Come see the place where the Lord lay. He was the Lord in resurrection. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He shall be, brothers and sisters, He shall be the Lord forever. He shall be King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the person who was on the cross. He was the Lord. That's why we need to be so careful how we address him. How we speak to him. Our attitude to him. We had a pastor at home, Pastor Willie Mullen. I remember Willie Mullen saying on one occasion, he said, never speak to the Lord as if he was the paper boy. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a paper boy. I don't know if you have paper boys. You know the boys that bring the papers and put them in your letterbox. Nothing wrong with being a paper boy. But he was trying to show the dignity that we should have when speaking to the Lord. He was the Lord. But then he was Jesus. The cross of our Lord Jesus. Jesus was his earthly name. He never was Jesus in heaven. We cannot understand that. We cannot, we cannot appreciate that in all its fullness. He never was Jesus in heaven. He was never Jesus until he came here. Jesus speaks of his incarnation. The incarnation. It took the incarnation to bring man, to bring God to man. But brothers and sisters, it took the cross to bring guilty man back into contact with the Holy God. Lord Jesus. We have some of these little illustrations touch my heart at times. We have a brother, he was telling us that he was putting a little grandchild to, to bed at the end of the day. And as they kneeled together at the bottom of the bed, he said, the granda said to him, Will we pray? And the little boy said, Granda, I'm not sure how to pray. So the granda said, Well, just you pray after me. And you know what they prayed? They prayed that lovely hymn of Charles Wesley Gentle, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon a little child. Pardon my simplicity. Bid me, Lord, to come to Thee. Oh, the meekness and gentleness of Jesus from the heights of heaven in His gentleness that you have been thinking about already this morning. His gentleness, His tenderness, His sweetness, His loveliness as He moved Undefiled in a sinful world. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon this little child. He was the Lord. He was Jesus. He was Christ. His divinity. He was perfect God. And perfect man. Eternally combined. In one unique Christ and shall for all eternity be perfect God and perfect man, united together in one. We cannot understand it, but God forbid that we should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we think of what He did for us upon the cross, should our hearts not be affected today, should we not be touched, should we not worship? Some years ago, we have a middle boy, David. And David went to... He was studying German. Um, He was studying German and he went to to Germany to, you know, fulfill his studies. And we went over to see him in Germany. And one afternoon, one, one, one Saturday afternoon... He took us to one of the Nazi concentration camps there called Drachau, just on the outskirts of Munich. And, you know, that was a very touching experience for me. It was 50 years or more since that had happened, and yet there were people at the gates literally weeping, weeping tears at what they'd seen. And the ovens were there. And the shoes were there. And some of the clothes were there. But you know the thing that touched me most was outside. There was this huge mound. Now covered in grass. But underneath the ashes of thousands that had been burned alive in the ovens of draco And there was a little sign at the bottom. And as I viewed it from a distance, I thought it said, I thought it said, remember that we died here. Remember that we died here. That's what I thought it said. But as I got closer and read it, you know what it did say? It said, remember how we died here. The ovens, the gas, the children. Remember how we died here. Brothers and sisters, does it touch our hearts how he died for us? in Calvary's tree. When Isaiah says he was wounded, that wasn't just the nails. Brothers and sisters, that was divine wounding. That was God punishing his son for sin that was not his own. Is there someone here today that has never embraced him as savior and lord? I want to tell you he was wounded on Calvary. For your sin, for sin that was not his own. And he was bruised. And he was punished. If you're a sinner this morning, remember how, remember how he died there. In Calvary, in pain and distress upon the cross. God forbid that we should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus. Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's the cross of Christ. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. fact for the preaching of the cross. What's that? That's the doctrine of the cross. That is what we preach. We preach the cross. We preach Jesus Christ and him. Crucified. It's not a political message. We have our political opinions, but this is not the place to expose them. It's not a prosperity message. I was thinking, there used to be men come to our country from Scotland They were some of God's choicest servants. And some of them were miners. And some of them were carpenters. And most of them worked with their hands. They had very little of this world's goods. But they were mighty men of God. It's not a prosperity gospel. Dear brothers and sisters, there might be some here that don't have much of this world's goods. But it's not a prosperity gospel. Men can be mighty and rich and spiritual and things that are divine and yet have very little of this world's goods. And I tell you this, it's not a limited atonement gospel. I cannot believe these men that preach that the cross of Christ, the preaching of the cross, was only for a few. They call it limited atonement. It's like a mathematical sum. He died and suffered this much. And all who believe are covered by this much, and there's nothing left. It's not a limited atonement gospel or message that we preach. We preach it for the whosoever will. We believe that when Christ died upon the cross, the cross of Christ, He made provision for a whole wide world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. If you're not saved this morning, I want to tell you He made provision for you. You know what I love about the unlimited provision of Christ? I really love about this about it. It was for the wee children as well. You know the children who die before they have come to the age of responsibility. Before they come to the age where they can take a decision that Brad reminded us of this morning at the crossroads. They're too young to understand. And in an accident or in some other way they're taken away where do they go they go to heaven because they're covered by the unlimited provision of the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ and the death of Christ on Calvary we have a man at home he used to always say there'll never be there'll never be an infant's cry in hell and i would add to that There'll never be a child's cry in hell because they're covered by the precious blood of Christ. I don't know why. I don't know why that she did it, but only once I met a dear lady. Only once. And for some reason, I met her in connection with my work. And for some reason, a couple of months afterwards, we met for the very first time. For some reason, she wrote to me at my work. She didn't know my home address, but she wrote to me at work. And it was to tell me that her little boy of seven had fallen into, I don't know what you call it here, we call it a slurry tank. It's a, a tank where there is rotting, materials that give off an odor, um, maturing grass and maturing hay that feeds cattle in wintertime. And it gives off an awful odor which is poisonous. And a little boy of seven had fallen into that slurry tank and had died. I don't know why she wrote to me about it because I didn't really know her. But I was touched. I was touched in the core. To think of a little boy of seven. And brothers and sisters, what a joy it was for me to write to that dear woman because I don't think she was saved. I don't think she was a Christian. But what a joy it was for me to write back and say, I cannot understand your pain. I cannot understand your loss. But I have a consolation for you. Your little boy's in heaven. Why? Because of the cross of Christ. Because of the unlimited atonement that he made on Calvary's tree. What a wonderful, what a wonderful Savior, brothers and sisters, we have. The cross, the cross of Christ. Lastly, John 19, he bearing his cross Brothers and sisters, it was his choice. We were reminded of that this morning. It was his choice. No, it makes that precious to me. It was a very unique, a very unique cross. Do you know why no one else would ever have volunteered to take my place at Calvary? No one else would ever have volunteered to take your place at Calvary. No one else would have volunteered to pay the price for your sin. His visage was marred. His back was scourged. His hands and feet and side all three were pierced for me at Calvary. And then God made to meet upon him on his cross, which he chose out of love for me and for you. It was his cross. Have you responded to it? Or are you still living careless in your sins? Or is there someone in the meeting today that will come to the foot of the old rugged cross and thank him for dying on Calvary? I want to leave you with a little poem, a wee bit of poetry. I tried to find out who wrote this. It's anonymous. No one ever knows who wrote it but I tell you it's touching. Maybe you've heard it. His holy fingers made the bow which grew the thorns that crowned his brow. The nails that pierced his hands were mined in secret places he designed. He made the forest Whence there sprung the tree on which his body hung he died upon a cross of wood he made the hill on which it stood. Wonderful words. Wonderful cross. Wonderful Christ. Wonderful Saviour. Trust that the Lord will bless these meditations about the cross to all of our hearts. Shall we just commend ourselves to the Lord in prayer? Father, we're thankful today for that cross. We remember the hymn writer called it the old rugged cross. And another hymn writer called it the wondrous cross. But we're thankful, Father, it's the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful it's there. He shed his precious blood and died for me. Thank thee for the unlimited provision that he made for a whole wide world. And we're thankful for all in this building today who have trusted him as their Savior. Help us to keep the cross in our focus as we make our way through life that we might honor the cross and be kept near it until traveling days are done. We pray for any who are not yet saved, for any who have never come to that junction that we heard about this morning, that intersection. We pray they might go straight over today and we pray there might be conversions and repentance and souls brought to Christ for salvation. Commit ourselves into your tender care. Pray that you will keep us all safe until we meet again. Ask your parting blessing upon us in the Savior's precious name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>